On this episode of That's What G Said Podcast, we talk to Keeneland Dan, Dan Cronin, and we discuss college basketball. His brother's the head coach over at UCLA, so we talk UCLA, we talk some Pac-12, and then we talk uh, overall, who do we like teams, some of the top teams who are contenders, who are pretenders, and then we discuss a couple of the uh, stakes races on Friday night over at Turfway, because Dan... uh, Heads over to Turfway quite a bit, and he plays those races. So a couple of the nice stakes races on Friday night. And then we discussed the Friday night races from Sam Houston uh, after the interview with Dan. Talk a little Sam Houston, go through the Sam Houston card, give you some early and late plays, and then info all throughout the card. Don't forget, this episode is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your purchase. They still have that Valentine's Day box going on for $20. You get to pick two cents. Fresh Roses, Tuxedo, Date Night, you pick two of those, uh, and they come in the box. It's affordable. It's a perfect gift for significant other, friend, family member. These are all natural soy wax candles. They're free from toxins. Really, really good stuff. I have a Sarah Candle Sunday brunch burning right now as I look up. So check out Sarah Candle Company. February 13th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. If you're listening, do me a a big favor if you can. Just click subscribe. Um, If you can, over on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google, uh, Pods, TuneIn, wherever you're listening to. We're trying to get those YouTube subscriptions up too. I'm going to start posting some videos um, and doing... uh, uh, maybe some, you know, just kind of quick hit videos sometimes if we don't have to or don't want to do a full podcast or maybe we can do some guests sometimes uh, on video too and, and, and some back and forth. So I'm going to just uh, try try some new things, mess around a little bit. Got to give a, a shout out also. Yesterday, Milo, three months old. My son already is three months old. Wow. It's flying. He is rolling around now, and he's really starting to, like, push himself up. He does the back bridges and, like, scoots all the way up, and he can start. To, he's he's starting to get, to get his voice now. He's screaming, and he's yelling, and he is cooing, and he is trying to speak. And it's just... Every day, he's just, like, learning more of his abilities and just, like, it's crazy. So having a blast there. And uh, you see me posting pictures all over social media. So uh, check him out. We we had him all. We always like to uh, 
it's it's, it's fun. We get we got spoiled with a, by a lot of family and friends. So we have a lot of cool uh, outfits and stuff to to dress him. So Stephanie does a good job of uh, of look, making him look uh, look pretty stylish a lot of the time. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm one of the uh, parents now that's uh, just overwhelming with with the the social media pictures of of their child so it used to be the dogs now you get the you get you get the son and the dogs so uh, okay let's uh, get into the interview for today we talk with uh dan cronin and so right after uh this little commercial break we're gonna talk with dan cronin hopefully you enjoyed this interview One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, Home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, our next guest, you know him as uh, Keeneland Dan. You know him as uh, Fat Bald Guy Racing. But I do have to say, as we welcome in Dan Cronin, I've been looking at some of the pictures of you online. You're going to have to be skinny bald guy racing pretty <laughs> soon or uh, cut up bald guy racing. You look like you're in good shape, buddy. How's it going? Oh, it's it's been a long couple of years since the heart issues, but uh, I'm slowly getting to where I can actually do things. And uh, yeah, I don't look... Uh, completely horrible anymore. It was it was funny when I 
I was introduced to a couple guys at UCLA, and a guy says, you, he says, you look like a nose guard, not a point guard. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I get it. I went from 140 to 240. That, that Now I'm back to 209 and trying to get into the 190s, but at least my heart doctor's happy with getting under 200. So if I can get there, I'll be happy. So one thing that we uh... – we love to talk about just horse racing. You're a big horse racing guy, but you are, um, in particular, really, really knowledgeable about basketball and about college basketball. Um, you have a, a really good connection in that your brother has been a, a head coach now for many years, and he made the transition. Let's talk a little bit about how hard that has kind of been for you and for your family because Cincinnati, that was the dream job forever. Like that was, that was, that's, that's you, you guys who you've, you've wanted that forever. And he got there and he did an unbelievable job succeeding with them, getting them to the tournament year in and year out. But then there's a, a job like UCLA that comes calling out here in California with the opportunity to recruit in a different place. And it just, it was like an opportunity that I don't think you could pass up. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of people here didn't think he'd ever leave, but uh, I knew there was a chance when UC played at UCLA just a couple years ago, and we all made the trip out there, and Mick and I were walking through Poly before the game, and he was looking around like an awe, and he was like, man, wouldn't it be crazy to coach at a place like this? And I was like, yeah, you know, you think you'll never leave, but somebody like this ever calls, you better take it you know, or I'll be mad at you. So when they did call, he called me and said, well, <laughs> if we can, if we can figure things out with his daughter and the ex-wife, he's like, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to take this job. And, and of course the ex-wife jumped at the chance to, to move to LA with, so now they got the co-parenting going on, you know, living 20 minutes away from each other in LA with Sammy, who's now 13. And, it all worked out great. So, you know, mom wanted to move out there and, and Mick, Mick wanted to obviously take the challenge. So I think it was a little bit more of a challenge than he thought, uh, once we got to practicing. Uh, but you know, it, it, it is what it is at UCLA. I mean, you should be able to recruit good, solid players, smart players, you know, guys that, you know, you, not not the guys that can't get in anywhere else. You know yeah. what I mean? It, you, yeah. You're going to be able to get good human beings that, that are good players. And and so far, you know, recruiting started slow, but then when the Knicks kid signed, it's really started to snowball from there. And, you know, now he's got three kids and, and uh, probably a handful more here before before April hits. So that would be good. And, yeah, with the way that – when any, any coach that comes into a new program – it's going to take a little while trying to, you know, to implement their new system. And in particular with someone like your brother, because he is a really hard nosed kind of old school basketball coach. And you're, if you are not playing defense, you are not going to play period. And I think that was something that it, it takes a little while just to kind of get everyone to buy in a little bit. You have to win some games and it, it felt like, I don't know if it was the the Washington game, maybe, but it, it felt like there was one or two games after they struggled where it almost felt like the light bulb went on for a lot of guys on the team, and they started figuring it out. Like, oh, okay, if I give a little bit extra effort, I'm gonna get on the court. I'm gonna get some open shots. The offense will work towards me a little bit, and it seems like this team is really starting to figure things out. Yeah, I think they made a gigantic move right around Christmas when they stopped playing the two big guys together, yep. Riley and Hill, and started alternating them at the five spot and moved 
Chris Smith, who's a natural small forward, to a 2020 power forward like everybody else is mm-hmm. doing, you know, and it just it ever since then Chris Smith has just flourished because he can he can now get those matchups one on one against bigger, slower guys instead of the smaller, quicker guys, and now he can get to where he needs to get to on the floor to score. And the other thing is he's getting a ton of offensive rebounds because he's closer to the rim as a power forward than he was standing at the three-point line as a small forward. And that I think it's changed the whole team. Getting an extra guard on the floor has stopped all the turnovers. The except, spacing. Yeah, except when we played Oregon and our point guard got hurt in the first few minutes, and then we threw the ball all over the place. But you know, every game that Tiger Campbell has played in now – the last 10 to 12 games, the turnovers have just been, you know, normal, nothing, you know, twenties, thirties, you know, nothing crazy like it was earlier in the year. And that's what Mick always preaches. You got to play defense and you got to take care of the ball. And if you do that, you can be in every game against anybody. It's just a matter of, you know, can you make some shots, you know, and then hopefully nobody goes crazy against you from the three point line. And, you know, that's what it's been. And I, I, I really like the setup of the team for next year because, you know, everybody's back except for Ali and Olinsky. And then you add, you know, two guys and probably a few more. And everybody now has a role. They're all established. All the younger guys now got 30 games under their belt and know what the heck's expected. So those newer guys, it's only, it's easy to plug in a guy or two. It's hard to teach. 13 guys yep. what you want to do and and frankly what's funny is everybody talks about his defense he hasn't even put in his real defense yet because he tried to do it in the preseason he plays matchup zone a lot and he couldn't do it because so many guys were lost on on defense just playing man that when they tried to put in the matchup he said it was like you know having a bunch of first graders staring at you like teacher what on earth are you talking about what? So, so they just scrapped it and said, to heck with it. We're just going to play man for the entire season until you guys understand what we want. And then we'll slowly try to get the matchup in over the course of the next year. So, yeah. And what's, what's hard is that, you know, nowadays you were talking about, you know, the, just the spacing and, and how that works a little bit better. And the, these players that are coming up and they, they're playing in AAU together and they're playing all these tournaments and everybody just wants to score and everybody wants yeah. to shoot threes, you know, and you're coming up and it, it, you feel like a lot of the young kids or you get into college and and you've been really good most places that you played forever. And sometimes you just lack the fundamentals. You know, it's yeah. just the, the real simple things that you got to kind of reinstill in everyone. And what I like about what, what's been happening now, it, it's it's tough to do that sometimes when you when you you try to do that and you're losing. But what's been nice about about recently is now Mick is able to say, "Hey, look, everything we're doing, and this is just one one small version of it. We can take this and and go, you know, way deeper into it." Now we're five and two in our last seven games, and we have a couple big wins. We have some road wins. They beat Colorado and Arizona, who are right there as two of the best, most talented teams in the Pac-12. It's nice when you're trying to instill something new, and then you're able to point to some games and say, "Hey, see, look, we can beat anyone when we play good defense." Yeah, when they put that stat up on the screen last game, I was laughing that UCLA's thirteen and zero when they hold teams to seventy-four points wow. or under. I mean, that, that's, that's a crazy stat. 
and it'll even and that's not get, even like 50 you know what yeah. i mean like that's like a, a decent like that just decent defense just at yeah. least the effort you know yeah that's not even virginia stuff you just yeah. gotta 74 should not be that hard to do you know but in the 11 losses everybody scored over 74 you know they either got hot or we let down or you know we still got guys learning and uh you know when you got young guys and you're playing those back-to-backs i mean this is a strange conference how they do yep. that i'm not used to that it's always thursday sunday or or thursday saturday and you you know you get them two game road trips and it's hard for teams yeah. to win back to back. They just can't do it because they're not. Re- and then the team that loses on Thursday is always desperate and hungry on Saturday. You know, so it always it, the scores don't make sense a lot of times. And you know he just keeps telling them you know the offense is going to come and go, but as long as you guard, defend, try hard, dive on the floor, we're always going to be able to be in these games. And and I think like you said when they hung up that that the uh, at Washington win, I think that gave them some confidence. And then, you know, you go to Oregon State and win, and then you then you go to Arizona and win. I mean, those are good wins. And I don't think people around the country even understand how good those wins are for a young team. And that's just going to build confidence for the rest of the year. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not silly about it. I don't think they have any chance to make the tournament unless they'd run off seven in a row. But it's not unthinkable. I mean, when you look at the schedule – Every single game is none of them. You're not going to be a bigger underdog in any game this year than you were at Arizona. Yep. Or at Oregon. Yeah. You're just, you're, you don't have any of those, those unwinnable or games that you're like, ah, at Oregon's probably going to be a really tough one. That's a tough place to play. You have the Washingtons coming up at home. You have a uh, cross town at USC. You never know which USC team you're going to see. You get the Arizona's at home and you just beat Arizona on the road. And then you have to go to Utah and Colorado. They, they're tough. You know, that that's going to be a tough road trip, but those are not unwinnable games. Exactly. And what's, what's fun about this conference too, Dan, is that like, how crazy is this tournament going to be? Like the Pac-12 tournament going to be, uh, you know, come the end of the year when all these teams have showed that they can beat each other up. I mean, it's really going to come down to who's healthy, who's got the ma- the right matchup. I, I, nothing would shock me in this conference seeing anyone beat anyone in any one matchup. Oh, I agree with you, and you you hit it on the head. I know you follow Southern Cal more than I do, but I've seen them play four or five times now. And I don't know who's going to show up from game oh to game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. It, I mean, Southern Cal played so well against UCLA. I was stunned. Best game I, of the year. I mean, they made every shot. The little point guard looked like an All-American. Averaging, what, five points a game or something comes out. Bang, 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 bang. I'm like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> like, you know, but that's that's what happens in this conference. You know, Southern Cal, I mean, they'll they'll beat some teams, and you're like, wow, that's a great win, and then they'll lose by 30 to a team, and you're going, scratching your head. What, what happened? Where, what's going on? And like Washington was supposed to be so good at the beginning of the year, and they've struggled. You've seen, um, you know, teams being able to go and win on the road. Uh, yeah, Stamp you know? started out incredible, and you know they're good, but they have to make shots. Yep. You know, they're one of them teams that if they don't make shots. You know, they can't win. And Utah goes and beats Kentucky. I saw the game out in Vegas. I walked out of that arena like, what on? I cannot believe Utah just beat Kentucky. And then they come to UCLA, and I'm watching them miss open shot after open shot after open shot. I'm going, this doesn't even look like the same team. But they're young. And when you're young, you're going to have all those ups and downs. But if Utah comes to Vegas and makes 14 threes, they can beat anybody. Well, it's been such a weird year in that. 
Michigan State was the preseason number one. They're not even ranked anymore. They dropped out of the uh, the top twenty five. I think this is the first time since like 2013, 2014 where the preseason number one isn't even ranked in the top twenty five anymore. Just kind of shows you the parity. It does feel like towards the top, we're starting to get some of those top tier teams to kind of show themselves a little bit now. So like, at, let's go through some of these top tier teams. So right off the bat. With uh, with Baylor, you know, we have Baylor and Kansas in that Big 12 Of those two teams, um, you know, pretenders, contenders What do you think about some of them as, as top-tier teams? You know, I really like Baylor's team But what scares me is they play so much 2-3 zone That in the tournament, you run into one team that gets hot mm-hmm. You know, it's happened to Syracuse so many years When you sit in those zones, you know, I'd like to see him play more man, but if he, you know, you never know. They they may play man some more, but you know, if they sit in a two three zone and somebody comes out and gets hot, you know, they they could get upset. But I I really like their team. I love Teague. You know, he's from Cincinnati Cincinnati area here, and he's, I mean, he's been in college it seems like for seven years. He's been around so long, but I mean, he is an older player that can get points, and they got other guys that are good too. And then. You know, Kansas, they're Kansas. They're, they're always going to get a good seed, and they, they've always got a chance to make a run. And when you've got a good, solid point guard like they do and a big guy, we used to always joke about this, but I really believe this is true in any level of basketball, except maybe the NBA because it's turned a little bit different. But if you got a great point guard and a good, solid big man, you can have all the twos, threes, and fours you want. Give me the point guard and the center, yep. and I'll play you, and I think I'll beat you. You know, because the wings, you can, there's a lot of good wings around that as long as you teach them how to play, you can win with them. But it, you can't just teach a point guard. You either got one or you don't. It's and, like a quarterback. You know, yeah. it, it is. It's like, especially in college, because I, I'm telling you, as you mentioned, that, that's been one of the big problems with USC this year is just the inconsistency from the guard play. Some, we, some weeks, it's like they can't even get, a, get the ball into the big man. They just, they just can't even make, the, make the, the correct pass in or just handle the ball a little bit, turnover, turnover, turnover. When you have that point guard who you know is just not going to make mistakes, I mean, that makes building a team around and, and how you approach the game so much easier. Right, yeah, there's no question. that You're right, that's Southern Cal's struggle all year is what point guard's going to show up. And, and frankly, that's what's going on with Louisville. Mm-hmm. You know, Louisville, if they had a top-notch point guard, they might be undefeated. Because they've got everything else to win the whole thing. I'm just not sure. That, I mean, Johnson's come on lately, but I'm just not sure they've got good enough one and two spots to win the whole thing. You know, those other guys are going to have to really play well, where Gonzaga's got everything. But Gonzaga's always got that gaudy record, and we always wonder how good are they really? You know, because I look at the Washington game, went to the buzzer. I watched the Oregon game, went to the buzzer. So how much better are they than Oregon and Washington? And if they're not that much better than them, then they're beatable. They, then they're very beatable. Yeah. yeah. Are, are they really number one, two? I mean, if they played in the Pac-12, if they played in the Big 12, they'd have four or five losses. Now, that, doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean they'd have 10 because they, they are really good. But I just I, I never know if that'll catch up with them in the tournament. Because they're not the underdog anymore. Now they're the target. Well, in San Diego State, too, right? This year, that's what's going to be interesting is that we have kind of two teams who are going to be similar to that. San Diego State is now 24-0, and 0, and uh, they have, I think, four quad one wins. But right now, 
what's going to be interesting is is what is the committee going to do if those two teams run the table, San Diego State and Gonzaga right. from here on out? Because San Diego State in the first projections that came out recently, San Diego State was the one seed on the East, so th- they were in just a really tough right. little quarter and, bracket. Well, where they and would then have of course they'll put them with Duke, Duke, because Duke they always Maryland. take care of Duke, and exactly. And People get mad that we say that, but it's just the it's truth. It's true. It the is. The committee takes care of Duke every single year, and it drives everybody else insane. And they have no business being the two in the East and then putting San Diego State as the one. But playing devil's advocate, nobody's mentioned the fact that San Diego State's six eleven shot blocker extraordinaire, big-time center with a pick-and-roll offense, is out. And we don't know if he's coming back. I mean, he's got that breathing issue. He ain't played in eight games. If he doesn't come back, I'm not sure you can just ignore that. Yeah. But so far, it looks like the committee and every all these prognosticators just act like, oh, there's no injuries. Everything's great. They don't even mention it on TV. And I'm like, you know, it's a whole different team. When you watch them, you know, they don't have the guy that they can just pick and roll, throw it to and dunk it. They don't have the guy that they can go out and pressure the perimeter like crazy, let him turn the corner, and he's going to swat it anyway. You know, that's a big difference when you take him away. And I, I just don't understand why nobody's talking about it. But, you know, I don't know if he's coming back. Every I keep trying to read, and they just, I don't think the coaches know if he's coming back. It's some kind of breathing issue is all I keep reading about. So, I, you know, I don't know what that could mean. I guess it could be asthma that's not under control or something, but – some kind of respiratory problem is what I keep hearing. So I don't, I don't yeah, they know. Need, they need to be at full strength. They're they're not deep enough or good enough to be able to win without some of their best, uh, especially against you know having to do it three or four games in a row against top tier teams. Their first couple games probably won't be you know anything to uh, to really think twice about. But when we look at the way that the the, uh, the rankings are right now, which kind of makes it fun in the top sixteen projected seeds right now. From nine different conferences So things are really spread out I mean, it really, you go down We just mentioned Baylor, Kansas You know, and then you have Gonzaga, San Diego State Louisville, Dayton, Duke Florida State, Maryland You know, and then rounding out the top ten How good is this Seton Hall team? Well, uh, I was going to tell you that The three teams that I look at that can go to the Final Four that, That not a lot of people talk about Is Seton Hall for sure Kentucky for sure and Oregon for sure. And, and and the reason Seton Hall can go there is Powell. I mean, he is incredible. He is the perfect college guard because he was never big enough, strong enough, lanky enough to leave. The NBA kept saying, ah, well, he's 6'2", might be 6'3". He's kind of got that bad body. He's a little thick. He's not overly athletic, you know. So they keep telling him, oh, you got to come back. Well, so what you end up with is a 2,000-point score that can flat-out get it done, and he just gets it done every night, and then they got the big kid in the middle that blocks every shot. I mean, if you come in the middle, he's going to swat it. So teams can't score on him, so you're not going to get more than 60 to 65 points on Seton Hall. So you better pray that Powell has an off night and a big lefty's back that was out for about 15 games. I think he had something wrong with his nose or so. I can't remember what it was. No, it was his wrist. I think he broke his wrist. Well, he's back. He's their second best player, the foreign kid. He's a really good 6'9", you know, lefty that can shoot, can go in and out, can rebound. I mean, they've got it all to, to go to go to the Final Four. You know, and then Kentucky, I know they don't shoot it that well, but 
they got some really good players and the big kid underneath is, is, is scoring now. Uh, is, what's his name? I always forget his name. Um, the big kid that they were going to go, he was going to go in the draft after freshman year and then he couldn't, and he came back and, uh, Nick Richards and he keeps, he just keeps getting better. And now you've got a six eleven kid with, with all this experience underneath. And then you've got all these McDonald's all Americans on the perimeter. And, you know, I mean, they've got everything to make a run and they got, ha- uh, Higgins is a good point guard and, you know, people just keep ignoring them. I mean, cause they got five losses, but if they get the right draw, they can make a run. And then Oregon, if they play like they did against UCLA and Pritchard and Durante make shots, I mean, my Lord. They can beat those, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> because those two guys, I mean, that that kid, uh, I mean, both of them kids can play in the NBA. I mean, you've got NBA-level talent on the perimeter. If you know, They always say the cream rises to the crop in the tournament, and those NBA players start playing like NBA players. That's when teams advance. And, I mean, Oregon's probably going to be maybe a five-seed or so in the tournament. I mean, I wouldn't if I was a one, I sure wouldn't want to be staring at Oregon. Like, if I was Gonzaga and I'm the one and I look in the Sweet 16 and I'm playing Oregon, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't want that matchup. I'd no. be like, oh, boy, I, no thanks on that one. So, you know, that, those are the teams that I that – I and then there's a, a sleeper that nobody talks about. And I know the American Conference is really, really down this year at the top. But Houston is one of those teams that went to the Sweet 16 last year. They had the game won. They screwed it up, and then they got cheated at the end against Kentucky. Most of those players, I know they lost their top score, but all, you know they got like seven guys that all played in that. And I think they're like 19-5 and five now. Yeah, they're 7-1 and one in their last eight, and that only loss was at Cincinnati. Yeah, at, and they were led by 15, and, and they, they started doing some goofy stuff, and the kid bit somebody, and I mean, it just ended crazy. And they, st- and they were still in it all. I mean, they just, they've got, you know, guys that are all 6'5 to 6'8 or 9, and they play so hard and tough. It is crazy. I mean, they beat you up. So, you know, if the refs let somebody play in the second round, <laughs> they get to the second round and they let them play, they're going to be a tough out. It's probably, you know, a six or seven seed. I mean, if they would play a team like Maryland in the second round, I could see them beating Maryland. I don't think Maryland's that good. You know, they're, I, you know, the teams that I think are overrated are Maryland, Auburn's not that good, Penn State's not that good, West Virginia's not that good, Villanova's not that good. I mean, they're all okay, but they're not teams that I would be afraid of if I was in the second round or in the Sweet 16. They're just another team. None of them have, you know, those kind of players that you're like, well, if he comes to play, we're dead. You know, where Seton yeah. Hall's got pal. And if Powell comes to play, you're in trouble. You know, uh, Louisville's got uh, the Wamba. If he comes to play, you're in trouble. You know, Gonzaga's got Tilly and the rest of them that are all really, really good players. And Baylor's got about five of them. So, you know, there's teams I'd be afraid of. And then there's teams that, you know, wouldn't really wouldn't bother me to play them. And that's why this tournament's going to be so wild. There's just so many teams. And the other thing we haven't talked about, Gino, is the line moving back. I yeah. mean, it has it has caused some crazy results because there's teams that get hot from that line and it changes everything. And then there's also a lot of nights that you look up and teams are three for 25. Just awful. Just and, shooting themselves out of games. Right. And now in the tournament, you're playing in these big domes. Not all these teams play in big domes all the time. 
So now they go into these big domes in the first round, the second round, with the heat of the NCAA tournament, and that line's another foot back. You start you, missing your first three or four, then you start scrubbing a little bit. You start, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking about it, and then all you, that's that's a good point too. We're seeing teams that you know are just. Literally shooting themselves out of games Where you're like wow they just yep. like, stuck to the Three pointer they, they didn't you know they didn't Want to take that long jump shot Because it's not the best analytical shot But you know what sometimes you just gotta do it And yep. uh yeah I'm I'm pumped this this is fun And and we're recording this on Wednesday Afternoon before the Wednesday night Games and this is actually a pretty Interesting week I mean just on Wednesday we have Creighton at Seton Hall Xavier at Butler Kansas at West Virginia um, a rivalry game in Bama Auburn. Uh, we have Marquette Villanova. So I mean, you're going to see some things happen already on Wednesday. Thursday we have a couple really good Pac-12 teams going at it in Colorado and Oregon. That's going to have some uh, some impact in the conference. So this is a big week as far as you know things changing. A lot can happen this week, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to talk a few more times between now and uh, and the tournament because I, I just after those top few teams. This just seems like everybody else is the same, right? Yeah. It's like it's who, this it's is who's a year gonna, where anyone could beat anybody. Yeah. It's who's going to get hot. Who who you know who 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 makes 10 threes against you? You know, mm-hmm. they, they come out make three threes, you can beat them. They come out make 10 threes and you're in deep trouble and that's how close all these teams are and the one team we haven't mentioned yet that I know all the big boys are praying they don't see in the, in the first round and that's Northern Iowa. Yeah, Northern Iowa can flat out play. And they can make threes. And you get them in the first round and they make 10 or 12 threes against you as a 12 seed or 11 seed, good luck. <laughs> good <Yeah>. luck. <laughs> so let's uh, let's make a transition now. We'll, we'll move from college basketball on over to uh, some horse racing because I've seen you on the, uh, the Turfway Park feed a couple times handicapping. You gave out a bomb, uh, I think, about a week or two ago. You gave out this... L- the horse was like 50 to 1 or something like yeah, that Yeah, <laughs> yeah And I was like wow look at Dan over there You looking good you sounding good So with uh, and I know Turfway is like One of your home away from home so I figured We're, we're going to talk some college basketball We might as well take a look at, at one of the Turfway Cards and there are a couple of Decent little stakes on Friday night which is Valentine's Day so nothing better than Sitting there with your loved one playing some races uh, Trying to make some money Let's let's talk about those two turf, uh, those true Turfway Park stakes races on Friday. So we're looking first at the fifth race on Friday. It's the John Battaglia Memorial, and I, I, this is a fun race, Dan. I mean, you yeah, can make is. cases for like six, seven different horses in here. Who are some of the ones that you you want to start with? Well, and, and the thing is about the fifth race at, at Turfway because there's only eight races. You're finishing the pick five, yeah. but you're also starting the pick four. That so middle you, race, you have to hit it. Yeah, you cannot be. We we preach this every week. You cannot be wrong in the fifth race, even if you go a little deeper than you might want to. Mm-hmm. You just can't let yourself get knocked out of two bets at the same time. And the first horse I come to in this race is the seven Tama Toto yep. for Mike Maker Corrales. Corrales is an unknown rider that was riding up at Thistle Downs, and almost nobody at Turfway even knew who he was. And the first part of the meet, man, he just kept riding winner after winner after winner. Wesley Ward, Mike Maker, they all fell in love with him, started riding him. I mean, he can really, really ride and gives a, gives an honest effort every time. And so I looked up this race that this horse came out of that he ran second in, and this was a really good race. It was. I mean, yeah, that horse that had run second in the in the Breeders' Cup was in this race yep, and ran Jimmy out of Rock. money. 
Yep, yeah. Jimmy Rock, who uh, was your grade two uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint runner-up. And that third-place finisher is a, a stakes winner, Pixelate. That's a nice one, too. That was a good group. Um, I've been playing a lot of Sam Houston this year. I love it because the takeout is low and they have a really good grass racing and you get 12% if you're someone who likes to play those, you know, doubles 12%, pick threes 12%, pick fours and pick fives all 12%. That was a good race. He was just a couple lengths off. He he just he really just couldn't and you know when you when you look at at the the effort coming in closing, he was fourth, kind of just waited patiently. He moved he moved like three deep at the top of the lane. And he briefly took the lead, the lead, but the horse from behind just came storming. It was just one of those trips where if he would have been asked to move a little bit later, he probably would have even been a little bit closer. And so the distance is no problem. His first two races weren't bad either, Dan. Yeah, I, I love second route horses too. That's one of my things, yep. one of the angles I look for in young horses. And I love the fact that that number went straight up through the roof at 80 number right away. Boom, boom. As soon as, as, soon as they route him, boom. You know, and 13 to 1 tells me how tough that field was. Yeah. And the, the seven holes fine. He's going to be close to the pace. I, you, we may not want him too close because there is a ton of speed in here. Yeah. You know, when you go up and down this chart, the two is going to run well early. The four is going to run early. The five is going to run early. The six is going to run early. The eight's going to run early. The 10, my man Flintstone, who's a really nice horse for Kenny McPeak, came to Turfway and aired him, but then. You know, went down to Tampa, didn't run at all, but that wasn't the poly. So, you know, if my man Flintstone can somehow get to the front, he's going to be dangerous. So, you know, this this is a tough race. Now, I went to the seven, and then my two savers in here are going to be the five high holy for Darren Miller, only because the horse has not been a route yet, ran off the chart in his last race. And I know that was only an optional 50. It wasn't a stake race or anything. But, man, he ran a 91. He he's could be too, any kind. Yeah, you know, he's, he's one of those that you just, he could be just a synthetic freak. Yeah. A horse ex- who just loves exactly. his track. Yep. Two for two at Turfway. What if he, what if he breaks two in front of five speed horses that are all just going to back up? Because they're just chasing and they're not going to sit and close. And then what ends up happening, you, you put so much distance on the deep closers and you make them try to do, do so much work just to keep up with you that you're just gone. So right. yeah, I think of all the speed horses in here, that that would definitely be the one I use. And uh, I think yeah. for me, the only other horse would maybe be the other maker, um, Artemis Eagle. Who, if if they go really quick, maybe he can sit a little bit because I I like the way he sat last time out. He actually had um, it was kind of an easy win. He was geared down late, and so maybe Maker will will have his two kind of sitting off the pace a little bit. But I think he's we we got to start with the other maker. I think. Uh, Tom Toto for sure coming out of that race Just from a class standpoint And he's run well at, at Turfway And that December 19th race You know he probably needed that race too That was He hadn't run since May So yeah I feel like I feel like we've we've sniffed out some of them um, You know, Anyone else in here you want to mention Like the one hail to the chief from the rail Obviously it's it's Wesley Ward and maybe a horse Who can pick up yeah. some pieces late if they do go fast But uh, yeah, I may, maybe Nathan's. Maybe Cox's horse the nine Shake some action would have a chance yeah. But coming from a maiden race to to a stake race is so tough. But you know that's one at the, you know the fairgrounds horses they do usually come up here and do well. So and you get Corey Lannery to ride. You know maybe the Cox horse, but I I think that horse might get over bet. So mm-hmm. I'm not. That's not one that I'd really want on my ticket. And unless you know unless I was just spreading out like crazy. And the way I'm going to play the late pick four is I'm going to single Tomatoto in the fifth, but then I'm going to flip it and make a second ticket. And in the next stake race, 
single the Wesley Ward and the next that we're getting ready to talk about here. Yeah, let's go to the seventh race, and that's going to be the uh, the Cincinnati Trophy, six and a half furlongs the distance. So there are uh, a couple Wesley Wards in here, but I, I would imagine you're going to Anna's Fast. No, I'm actually going to the other one. Like it. That's even yeah. better. That's even better. I like it. Great. Okay, tell us why you like uh why you like Karak. Well, I think Karak just they started him at Belmont, thought enough of her to take her over to Ascot. So that tells me he thinks a lot of this this Philly, right? Brings her back into Tyro and she airs him. You know, then she ran in the matron against Almas, who's <laughs> who's just a freak. freak. I mean, that, yeah. that that horse is just a freak. You know, then came back, ran an okay race against Fly So Pretty, who's another one that's pretty good. So I'm not sure there's anything in here that's better than the two horses that just beat her. You know, then they layer up a little bit. All right, so now let's try the poly. Well, Caraconte started out very well uh, as a sire, and and her her these 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 horses out of Caraconte are running decent on the poly. We've already seen a couple winners here at Turfway out of Caraconte. So you get Corrales, you get the good ten hole to where this this filly's going to probably break a length or two off the speed on the dead outside where you want to be at Turfway. And she's going to have every chance in the world to to run on in the lane. Now maybe she can't get the six and a half. We'll find out. Uh, but From I the just, trip though, I love the trip. She seems yeah, like she's going to get right. Yeah, with, she trips out so good, and I think she'll probably be stalking her stablemate Anna's yeah. fast, who's probably going to make it the lead. And 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 it looks like on this chart, and I'll invite anybody to go back and watch this replay, because on the chart it looks like she won really really easy. But when you watch the replay and they turn for home, I guarantee you, you're all going to be like, man, did she get beat? What happened? Yeah. Because when she turns for home, she looks like she might be in trouble. And then all of a sudden she just, her class showed and, and she grinded away from them a little bit, but she really didn't beat a ton. I mean, the horse she beat there, the 11 secretly wickets 20 to one in the race, you know. I don't know. I mean, as a flyer, I could see taking her as a flyer. I, I'd rather take, you know, the horse, the horses just below, you know, at 20 to one and maybe trifectas with the, you know, the 10 and then take like the nine and 11 to try to storm home for third. And then, you know, maybe 10 all with nine, 11 and 10, nine, 11 with all. Cause I think Karak is going to be one too. I, I just don't see how, unless she just really, really stops. Um, I just think she trips out perfect, but I think the nine coming back quick, but if the nine really does run off a week's rest and you know, you, know, you never know if they'll scratch out, but you know, turning back should be the perfect distance if she's good enough. Now I don't think she can win, but to get in the trifecta, she's going to be every bit of 25 to 30 to one. And she's got that great outside post to just drop back, swoop three or four wide and try to come on. And that's six and a half should be perfect as the other ones are stopping. She could pick up the pieces because, you know, other than the, the two wards, I just don't think I, I wouldn't take anybody else on the win end. You know, if, if I was betting pick fours or, or pick threes or doubles, I just take the two wards and, and lean more towards the 10. Yeah. The only one that I could make a case for, I'm, I'm kind of with you. And I prefer the 10 of the two wards is because I'm looking at the way this race could shape up too. I, I think you're going to get the speed from rising seas. You're going to get some speed from ballast and Lassie. At least you're probably going to get a little speed from miss firecracker. And, and is that going to kind of put Anna's fast in a tough spot where she's maybe going a little too quick early on and it sets up nicely for Karak. 
I think the only other one for me would be the two KBG. I just thought that the the Churchill win was pretty impressive, and I like the fact that she can show some speed, but she can pass horses like we saw last time out if they're going a little too quick. So there are some options, but I do feel like Ward. To me, when I was kind of handicapping the two races, it felt like the fifth race is going to go through Maker, and the seventh race is going to go through Ward. As yeah. far as just like Isn't that ironic it, it is, right? Of course it's going to be, right? I mean, it, it just, figures me But you're right on the two I mean, yeah. the two it, it, Now, if Johnny goes too soon then, yep, then That's the problem he's I, want, got, I hope he's that she got to drop back Exactly he, he, Just try to do that trip That trip that you had last time out And and that You know, it ends up happening sometimes Where it's like a blessing in disguise You break slowly Or you have a, a poor start You get squeezed back And then you realize Oh, you know what? This filly can pass horses Like you might be better off Kind of taking her back And sitting Maybe she relaxes A little bit more that way So um, I like I like that they have Some options there with her But I, I don't know If if she's quite as good As either of the two wards But uh, yeah I, I feel like I feel like If you're going to go With the wards Let's go with Karak who, who probably gets the better Of the trips in here Yeah and I think They're going to bet The three rising seas Of Ben Colebrooks for, With Lannery and that's the kind of horse that just doesn't win a turfway. If if this horse wins, I will be shocked because she's on the inside. She has to go wire to wire. You know, she's not going to get off the fence. She's going to be stuck in there the whole way around. And I, I just don't know how going six and a half, she can go all the way, hold off all that speed, hold off all the closers and be on the worst part of the racetrack. I, I, I mean, and be th- probably three to one because she... People see all those ones on the chart, they're going to bet on her. So I, to me, that's a complete just leave, leave out, hope to try to beat, take those outside horses. I'm going to take the, the, the 10, uh, save a little with the 7 and the pick 4, and then in the tries, I'm going to take the, the 10 with the 9-11, hit the all-button third, put the 9-11 third, put the all-button second, and, I, and I'm hoping to, that I catch one of them 30 to ones third and blow this thing up and get a you know four or five hundred dollar trifecta because it could pay if we can get the three out of the money. Sure. And if, and if Anna Fast would stop, all all that's left is prices. You know they're all, all right. going to be prices. So you this is a the typical turfway race. You know that you can you look up and say, wow, how'd that fifty to one run second? That's impossible. You know, but that's this is what happens here. They they storm home the middle of the track. You know, get that that lazy second or third place finish when everybody else is staggering, and it could definitely happen in a stake race. But Karak, if if I could if I could do the New Jersey thing, Gino, and lock in seven to two. Oh, I, we would take it, right? I I would do the I would do this. I would take probably about two hundred dollars, bet two hundred to win on Karak, and then parlay it all back. On this Pletcher so-called freak on Saturday that I've had 30 people call me on already. <laughs> that, that, this Liam's Map first-time starter that runs on Saturday. I don't even know the name of the horse. They just said Pletcher, Liam's Map, freak, worked 48, didn't even blow out a match after the work, was was looking around for competition in the lane. I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. You know, another yeah. one. I mean, I, I almost dread those phone calls because, you know, you know, probably going to be four to one morning line. First flash is going to be two click. to five. And there yep. goes your bet. You know? And you're just one. And then you're sitting there hoping you're screaming for the two to five shot. You know, it, it, all your money is tied up in this. two. Yeah. To five. You're just hoping don't get in trouble. Don't get stuck. Don't have something happen here. And uh, 
yeah, so many so times. I, I mean, I like I like the so let's see. That is who is that? Um, putting Game Ralph sixty six. So is that uh on? So this is on Saturday, the firster. Yeah, the Pletcher Saturday at Golfstream. I'm being told. I don't even know what race. I don't okay, know. We'll, we'll look just, it up. And I, we'll, just, I just know the sire is Liam's map. Okay, we'll we'll follow it's along. Pletcher firster. We'll follow along with you on Twitter at Fat Bald Guy Racing, which is great too. I, I love you on Twitter, Dan. You're you're fun. You have a good time interacting with people. You'll talk basketball. You'll talk whatever you're watching. If you're watching the Super Bowl, you're going to talk about it. You're going <laughs> to exactly. talk about basketball. You're going to talk about the races. You'll have fun back and forth with people. You, you don't take yourself too seriously. You know, you just you just have a good time. And I think the biggest uh, accomplishment that you've had in the last few years, you're now a Beamy Award winner, right? A, a two-time winner? Is that two correct? Time, can you believe that? Two-time winner. I'm, I'm <laughs> wow. in shock. I'm in shock. I was like, man, he must really like me. <laughs> that is great. Um, so let the folks out there know uh, anything else. What are you working on? You have um, you know, fatballguyracing.com, all sorts of packages covering all sorts of different tracks like each and every day. Give, give the plug for your stuff out there. Yeah, fatballguyracing.com, or if you like just the mobile stuff, we got fbgmobile.com. You can go on. You can buy the daily packages if you don't want to have a commitment. We've got Road to the Derby packages if you want to just try it from here through the Derby. We got Triple Crown. We got the whole year stuff. And we always tell everybody, don't let money stop you. If you look at the prices and go, well, I'm only a Saturday player, just email me. We work it out with people all the time, especially a lot of small players that only play on Saturdays. You know, we're not trying to gouge people. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to help. Our, that's why our prices are. I mean, we're in the thirty dollars a month. You know, I don't. I don't. I hate it when people buy one day picks. It's just I, enough I, to keep people to, to pay for the work. You know what I mean? It's just to, for exactly. people's time and for the, the the website and for the stuff to put it up. You know, it's just that's all it is. It's it's something that you enjoy and you like to share it with everyone. Right. And we share every piece of information. You know, I've had people several times tell me, I, I don't know why you don't hold those first time starters for yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's what our business is yeah. about. I want to help all the guys. You know, exactly. hey, I know we got a couple guys that bet absolutely astronomical money. But for the majority of the people, we got guys betting fives and tens. I mean, they need to know the information, you know, and it, hey, they don't, it doesn't always work out, but I, I can't tell you how many times we had a Dale Romans horse the other day that was like 15 to one that got beat by a neck that nobody in the industry knew about that horse. But Dale called my buddy, said, I'm telling you now, this horse can really run. So we just put it on the sheet. Hey, I know Romans likes a lot of his horses, but he's telling us that this horse can run. You might want to put him in somewhere. You know, and if you had to exact it with the favor, you know, how else are you going to get that? You know, you're just not going to get it. And we don't hide anything. It's whatever I hear, I put it on the sheet and let you make your own decision. You know, if you want to bet on the Pletchers and we know about them, we're going to tell you. If you want to bet against them. I actually had a, horse, a, a guy come up to me at Turfway the other night, and it was funny. He said, I get your stuff. And I said, oh, okay, thanks. He goes, just to fade you. <laughs> and, I, and I just started laughing I said what What do you mean he goes well especially at the Kentucky tracks I want to know who you're putting out because that way I can try to find a different horse in the race because I might get some value because your horse is going to get hammered it's true no yeah you're laughing you're going <laughs> well, I'm okay. like well I understand that's a good yeah. angle <laughs> exactly hey, if it works for you you're just happy to help and it, and it makes you laugh and uh and yeah that's that's what's great. I just, I've always, we've always got along really well from day one when we, uh, when we talked a lot on Elite Racing Network, and and every time when we, uh, when we talk, I'm always thinking, man, 
it's been too long. So with the Absolutely. next, with the time of the year it is right now, um, with these derby preps coming up every week, and with college basketball, I'd love to do something with you. You know, the next couple weeks where we get you on every other week or as often Sounds as you good. can, and we can you can we can talk about what just happened that week and uh, and and who's hot and who's not in college, and then we can talk about some of the uh, the derby horses and how they're moving up and down that that Kentucky Derby list because you've got some. Uh, Come derby time, you've got some great information too. You always uh, point out and you always share with people all about the, the the information and the research you've done about the speed figures with the buyers and the Brisnet figures, and uh, yep. you you always have some real good stuff that's that's very well researched. So uh, always appreciate the work you do, Dan, and I always enjoy talking to you. So let's uh, let's try to touch base again in the next week or two and, and and bring you on, and we'll see what happened in college this last week. Sounds good. Thanks, my man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, that is Dan Cronin. You know him as Keeneland Dan, fat bald guy racing, but skinny bald guy racing now. So uh, we'll, we'll see you soon, Dan. Thanks. See you. Bye-bye. A big thank you to buddy Keeneland Dan there. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him on a few times between now and the, and the tournament so we can discuss college basketball. Hopefully a couple other guests we'll try to bring on. So, yeah, now uh, with, with football out of the equation, um, We'll, we'll we'll be mixing it up a, a lot more even even than we normally do here, and uh, we're gonna gonna get find a good show or two that we can get back to doing some weekly uh, recaps of also, um, which uh, I, I always like doing. I'm watching like too many shows right now, and I think to be able to to fully recap all of them would be overwhelming. So um, let's let's get the let's get over to Sam Houston. Let's discuss the. Sam Houston card. Get your past performances out. We're going to talk Sam Houston Friday, February the 14th. Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds, we are very excited to be covering the races from Sam Houston Race Park here on That's What G Said on each and every episode. They're broadcasting in HD. They have bigger purses, turf racing over there. But for me, the key is that 12% low takeout on their multi-leg wagers. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. They are building a great program over there. It truly is major league racing. We have to give a big applause to the TTA, the Texas Thoroughbred Association. They've added new incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses so it's better for the customers and it's better for the horsemen in Texas. Their social media presence has been bumped up. You can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter and you're going to find morning training videos the Monday Minute jockey interviews or if you're not on Twitter you can find all the information at SHRP.com They're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women and the betters right so let's give them a little bit of our focus a couple big days coming up February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day, and the big day, March the 21st, that is Texas Champions Day. We'll be covering all of that action here on That's What G Said with all sorts of different interviews focusing in on Sam Houston. Make sure when you go to play the races, give Sam Houston a look with that ultra-low 12% takeout in the multi-leg wagers. Okay, so we'll... Uh... We'll give you some thoughts on the early and the late pick fours. All right, we'll do we'll do early pick four and a late pick five, and then you can kind of break things down. You can kind of see how uh, we what we stack everybody up in the first race, though. Um, just uh, from uh, maybe a, an individual standpoint, I think the eight heart attack pretty interesting in here. We we. Um, 
we have a horse here who really needed his last race, right? He was off from July of 2018 to September of 2019. Then another four and a half month break. And now he got the return out of the way. Now he drops. He returns to the dirt. I think heart attack is worthy uh, of inclusion in exotics and, and maybe playing a few bucks on to win. The way I stacked this race up uh, exotics-wise, I had 8, 5, 4, 1, 9. Uh, as a daddy, obviously going to be very, very logical and tough in here. Um, I thought, frankly, fun. Showed some speed last out, but he proved that he can kind of pass horses a, a few starts back. And, you know, Chief Envoy, um, another one to include. So, you know, underneath the exotics. But I did, uh, did think a heart attack was the way to go in here. In race number two, the eight mighty Merle is where I would I would start. He loomed up. He was a clear cut second last out, and he it was a big gallop out, going five on the turf, and he you know he's just really never run a bad race. He's ultra consistent. He's he's got a little bit of speed, but at at this five for a long trip he's not going to be on the lead in here he's not as quick as some others he just he has enough speed to kind of maybe to put himself in a decent position and that's the only concern can can one of these outrun him in here um maybe a horse like Beta Lake who has legit sprint speed and that's the the deuce in here the 7 D Rocket Man should really sit the trip, and if you just key off the grass races for him, he could be really, really tough in here. So, um, you know that I had a eight, eight, seven, two, and if you want to go a little bit deeper, the four Cowboy Breeze is kind of interesting. There are a couple races uh, in for a tag back at Lone Star last year that were good enough to win this race, and now he's another one who he recently. Got his first start of 2018 out of the way. A lot of times you get some fitness out of that. He could take a little step forward. So um, if you want to use another one in some of the exotics, depending on how you shape your tickets, uh, we'd probably play one ticket where we uh, would would go 2, 4, 7, and 8, and maybe one where we uh, are just using the 8 or, or maybe 7 and 8. But, um, yeah, I have eight, eight, seven, two, four there in race number 2. The third race won't even spend a whole ton of time on this, and I, I can't even recall, it, which is which is actually good because the handicapping, for, especially for Sam Houston lately, has been pretty solid, and um, we, we've had a good last you know week or so. This race, I have no idea, absolutely no clue what to do in race number three. Five furlongs, fifteen on two. I mean, the four is going to be. You know the horse to beat. I just think it could be anybody, and I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna buy the race. I'm just gonna play all in the exotics, and, and move along. I just. I'd much rather do that every now and then in a race that I'm uncomfortable with, and uh, and then you know key on on a horse or in one of the races around that I like. A lot of the times I have a strong opinion. That race absolutely do not. Let's go to the fourth race there. And this one, unfortunately, the opinion that I have is one that I don't like. 
I just feel like Insurrection is going to be very, very tough in here. And that's the eight horse who's dropping in class, who adds the blinks, hoping to maybe just sit a little bit closer. And it just really looks like he towers over this field after running some competitive races against better. He's going to be really, really tough in here. Insurrection. You're going to go a little deeper. I thought the three, Kalisha Ridge, who is a horse who's going to be close to the front end and could have the opportunity to steal this race. The The key is, can he clear the fresh horse we haven't seen in a couple, about, not a couple years, but a year and a half now? Pleasant Moon, who hasn't raced since August 24th of 2018. Maybe a horse that can, you know, take this field a long way. And then Mr. Strange, who I don't love. I'd have this race 8-3-2. Very chalky, very obvious. So we'll. that's why we kind of can spread out a little bit because I just, I, I think this is the race that, that looks pretty formful. In race number five, I like a horse in here. Pretty uh, pretty decent amount. This will be one of my uh, better plays of the, of the day, depending on the price that we can get. And that's the number nine. Whatever comes, whose debut, she was a, you know, a little bit slow in her first step. And then she moved through up to fourth, fifth. She was... Um, four deep and in between horses and then she was in tight she had to take up, she had to take back she lost momentum and she came on again she angled out, four wide just no late punch after, you know, being wide and now the drop now second out improvement likely was beaten by a horse who just came back to win at fairgrounds against uh, 15 claimers I think the 9 Takes a nice step forward in here. Not hooking any monsters. The 8-horse headlining. She had a slow start from the rail. She recovered well. She moved through without really being asked. She sat a couple lengths off. Uh, She moved up to the lead. But uh, then she fades a little bit late. That was over at Turfway on the Synthetic. Headlining, and then the one Alicia's Valentine on Valentine's Day, right? Hunch play of a lifetime. Speed. She's going to be tough in here. She broke well. She was right up on the lead. She was three deep. She's able to clear off by a length. She she ran a winning race. She was well clear of third. She she finished second. She just lost to a better filly. That filly came right back to win and beat five non two next out. And that filly had trouble and, and kind of backed up. She w- The winner was much the best, and, and Alicia's Valentine was, was second best. And just a repeat of that effort will make her really tough in here. So I have 9, 8, 1. If we can get like 5 to 1 on whatever comes, worth putting a few bucks on for a barn who's really, really good second time out.
So here are some versions of the early pick four that I, I'm thinking of. I have a couple tickets down here that I'm, I'm possibly playing. I, I generally play, you know, a, a couple different versions. So one would single the eight in race number two, and then go all, uh, and then go two three eight, and then one eight nine. The next one would uh, start in race number two with the two four seven and eight. With all in the third, with eight singled in the fourth, with one eight nine, and then you you know even smaller ones that you could do something like uh, seven eight with all with eight with one eight nine. Just a couple of different combinations. I'll look around see if there's any scratches, changes, anything like that. But those look like a couple of different versions of uh, of tickets I may play there in the early pick fours as we move on to race number six. And this one will start the late pick five. And 25 non-two claimers, mile and 16th on the turf course. I like the six a little bit in here. Um, the most recent start was, you know, when you look at it paper and eh, but easy excuse, right? Off racetrack, just put a line right through it. Let's look at the turf race. It was actually sneaky good. Kind of a against the um, Oklahoma bred allowance company. Not a bad fourth. Blinks on, stretching back out, trying to sit a little bit closer. I thought inclusively, very sneaky, and we're going to be including in all of our exotics here. And if you can get, you know, half of what he is on the morning line, 8, eight to 1 or so, uh, worthy of, of a few bucks on the win end, throw him in all of your exotics. I think the one schnitzel we're going to include. He most recently, on January the 11th, was fourth. He was three off. He was in the third flight. And then he got caught inside. He had to wait behind horses, and he had to look for room. He moved inside, but it was just too late. Uh, the winner had slipped away, but this guy won the battle for second that day, and he was pretty good. That effort again puts him right here. The four is going to be really well spotted today. When the penny drops, just coming out of much better. Those Lone Star races, repeat of of really either of those. Makes him tough. The the issue that I have and why he's to me not in like just like a absolute standout in here. I'm not a big fan of the layoffs after the layoffs. If you notice in, in a lot of my handicapping, I love most of the time. You know some some barns are are really good getting a horse off the bench to come off of a layoff, but I don't like a a, a layoff off of a layoff. Which you know you come back you you have a race off of a couple months and then you're off again for a little while. It's just um. Not not something I love. So we'll see when the penny drops. Maybe needs a race. Not a whole lot of speed. Probably coming from out of it. If you're looking for other under horses, uh, so I have six one four in that order. And then if you're looking for the unders, maybe. Uh, Seven silent fours who could be the one to catch. 
in the 10. Don't let me linger. Had a four-wide bid at the top of the lane. Tried really hard. Uh, he, he just missed second behind the one. Schnitzel. So, kind of have six and one as the top with four, seven, ten as the next tier. Let's go to race number seven. This was a late pick four. Starting in the seventh race, let's go to the six-horse smart box, right? This six-year-old Mary, she looks like the one to catch. There's just not, there's not a whole ton of speed in here. I think she has a huge opportunity stretching out from some of these quick five furlong races. Now, I don't know if this is going to be her best trip and if she's going to be able to really um, go this far, but there's one or two others who might have a little bit of speed. We're not sure how the horse that has the last race at Cinnaboy Downs, if the speed, how that pace will translate over here. But I, I think Smart Box on the lead. The obvious one to beat in here is True Confession. Uh, she's going to be really tough. She's just coming out of like much, much better races. And then I thought the three top snap. Kind of a, a wild card who fits the conditions of this race well. These are the 5,000 non-winners of a race since August the 14th. Last we saw a top snap win was on August the 10th. 6-9-3. Uh, I have the the seventh race pegged with the nine on the the real one to beat six maybe the one to to play if you can get a, a price on a horse who could get a little loose on the lead. Eighth race. This one feels like the two to five on the morning line. Ooh, don't see the two to five on the morning line all too often, right? Young Philip really seems to tower over this field. And um, comes in from Churchill, runner up uh, three of the last four times, and overall in the money six of eight, and he's faced a lot better. And there's just not not a whole lot else in this field to really get too excited about. You could, you know, I think, as far as underneath, you can make some cases for for some. Um, I thought Mind Boss was a horse who I liked. In his last spot, and he really just never got a shot because he broke poorly, which you just don't like. You never like it right off, right off the bat. You're just you're in some trouble. The three valiant appeals, a first time gelding who has a couple of okay okay races. The the lower the race in uh, February of last year wasn't bad. We just haven't seen him in a year now. Almost you know it's going on it's 11 months now you know last race in March and I think the 8 Omega is a first time starter he hasn't done a whole lot wrong he has a, a couple nice works maybe he has he has some ability but at 6.5 furlongs it, that's not an easy distance to debut at whereas you have young Philip who has so much bottom who's cutting back from 7 furlongs last time out the five, what thinking another under horse? You, you know, you can make an excuse for the grass race and play off the the races prior to that. Although those were against Oklahoma Breds, and this race is against Open Company. 
So I mean, exotics in the in some of the late exotics, you got to probably play one ticket at least where you're just singling Young Philip. Although he's such a heavy favorite, it's, it maybe wouldn't be bad to play another ticket where you you, you use a couple others and uh, and maybe you know single in on one of the other races around it. Because if he does get beat, this could pay pretty well. Whoever anyone else in this race will be uh, an, a nice price. So just kind of depends on who and how you you know approach the the races around. Ninth race, Sammy Houston. Look at the eight horse. Wicked Valentine. These are... Um, they're going a mile on the turf course here. Made in 50s. If you go back and look at the January 1st race, and that was over at Fairgrounds, she was tucked inside... Nicely, she was third, and she was just in behind. She just had nowhere to go. She was traveling well. She was raiding for room. She tried to go in between horses, but she just couldn't hit the hole, and she got steadied. It was a, a really nice effort, though, and that was at fairgrounds. Just overall, her grass form is so much better than everybody's else's in here. The debut race at Arlington... Even the race against Maiden Special Weights, second time out, you're like in the mix, you're showing some speed. Then you go, you know, the the January race, you have legitimate trouble. Tried to get on the grass again last time out, couldn't, an excuse there. I think Wicked Valentine is very, very live in here. And we will make Wicked, uh, Wicked Valentine our top selection. We can get like, I think, you know, anything over 7-2 to two or even worthy of a, a win wager here. The three e-ticket ride, the damn one twice on the grass. Two siblings that have raced, both one on the grass. I'm expecting this one to take a nice step forward on the green. That's the three e-ticket ride. The two bell strike. Stretching out, trying the grass for the first time. Dropping in class. Coming out of a productive race. They're just, you know... Lots of positives for top-notch connections. And then the nine. At Special Treasure. Who probably is the quickest in here. And you're going to be stretching out. This is this one has legit sprint speed. And will now try to go the mile. Who knows if she can get it. But this is the type of horse who you at least want to have in some of the under-exotics. Because if she does get out and get brave, maybe she can hang on for a slice or even a... Or even get a chance to steal this race. So um, maybe on on some tickets you, you you throw in the nine special treasure. And let's go to the tenth and final from Sam Houston. Fifteen claimers, non winners of two, five and a half furlongs. The distance we will go to the seven to start with. They take the blinkers off this filly. And they're really just trying to figure out where she fits. She debuted at Keeneland. You could tell they always thought pretty highly of her. And she didn't show much that day. Then she wins at Indy. They try the grass a couple times against much better. They go to the bench for a while. She races on January the 26th. It's her first start since uh, the end of August. She again is facing tougher. The horse who was the runner-up that day, uh, Gishi Sparkles, was the two-year-old Texas Philly champ. From last year, so that's that's a good race she's coming out of. 
end. She was four deep. She's pressing in second. She, you know, she's getting to within just a couple lengths before she's all in early. The race wasn't bad. It was the first start off the bench, you know, in a while. She should improve. She should take a step forward in here. And she drops in class. They're just looking for, you know, where she she fits. And I wouldn't be shocked to see her jump up and and pop a big race in here. So I'm going to use her in all of the exotics. Um, No doubt the horse to beat is the four. Contendress. She, She really could have won her last race. She got squeezed back and she lost momentum. She lost a few lengths. She angled around and she came on again for second. It was it was a good a good effort after the trouble. So she's not a favorite that I'm gonna be really trying to, to take a, a shot against in here. The three horse top hat charmer, one to use, hasn't raced since September, but has faced much better the last couple times that we saw her. And then the nine. Amardine. Who I just kind of will treat Amardine like a wild card in here. She was a, a speedy debut winner going four and a half back in June. And we didn't see her again till December. I generally don't like playing horses like this, but she just kind of feels like maybe a, a wild card to use in a race that I. You can see I'm kind of trying to take some shots in here with the seven, who I like, and so the the nine at least in some of the unders because if she has enough speed to to kind of get out and get involved and in, uh, be forwardly placed early on. So seven four three nine in the late pick five, couple different approaches. Uh, if you want to go like deep, maybe you go one four six seven ten. With uh, in that sixth race with the three six nine single to seven with the two three eight with the four seven, or go a little different if you want to back it up and use a couple others and and you don't want to single the seven in that third leg you can go something like uh one four six or you know one six either one of those um with six nine with one five seven eight with three eight with three four seven nine different different combinations like that I always try to mix a couple in and for you know we all have different price ranges so it doesn't matter how big or how small remember you can play the daily doubles for 12% the pick 3's for 12% the pick 4's for 12% the pick 5's for 12% we love it over at Sam Houston thanks for tuning in and do another episode of That's What G Said we'll be back with uh, the Fairgrounds Risen Star card that's a doozy Oh, that's a great card so we're going to be happy to uh, handicap that one for you so Look for that coming in the next day or so. Have a great one, folks.